Ian Tamlin is a musician, adventurer, and playwright who has been making music since 1972, is a Juno Award winner, fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographic Society, educator, and on top of all of that, a super nice guy. He's traveled across the country and produced 38 CDs inspired by those journeys. I spoke with Ian at Summerfolk 2016. Heads up though, this was recorded outside in August and the wind tried to barge in a couple of times. I'm here with Ian Tamlin, veteran Canadian songwriter and performer. Ian, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. We're chatting at Summerfolk after one of Ian's many showcases over the weekend. Ian, how's the festival been? Oh, it's been great. I've really enjoyed playing here. It's uh, my first festival this summer, even though it's at the end of August. Uh, uh, and it's just it's spectacular. As I'm looking out at the bay here, and one of the first times I came here, I went out in a surf in the canoe, and uh, we had, we flipped, and we had search and rescue. We had, it was incredible, but we were just enjoying the summer and, and kind of surfed in. And uh, when we arrived here on the beach, uh, there was like, you know, the fire department was here. <laughs> so it was a good start to playing at Owen Sound. So this might be a little quieter festival than that first one. It has been quieter. I didn't bring my canoe with me. And it's been flat calm. You've put a lot of time and attention and creative energy over the past several years into chronicling parts of this country. We just described Kelso Beach and the Summerfolk site. How does music sit in places for you? Well, it... It does, uh, because I'm sort of a quiet nationalist, and um, I've always felt that there were still places to describe. I grew up in northwestern Ontario, and it's not like Nova Scotia or uh, Newfoundland or Quebec that has a long-standing oral tradition. And so I started doing songs up there and then just sort of sort of became fascinated with other parts of the can Canada that really hadn't had a lot of songs written about it so that's kind of what I chased I mean here you know on sound I mean I probably could or should my my grandmother was here the hurry family was from here and he was a supplier to Great Lake ships in the 20s and 30s so the history is everywhere and it's not just history it's it's just what the texture of the landscape is about and uh, I've always had fun putting that to song in some sense because there are enough people writing songs about bars and love songs. And I I kind of did that for a while and sort of went, okay, well, here's an unexplored area to, to look at. And uh, really enjoyed getting out there to sort of unsung places. And those explorations and adventures have taken you to some pretty magical spaces, it sounds like. Totally, and people there too. You know, it's not just. It's not just. I didn't drop love songs. These are love songs for a country, I guess. And and I guess love songs in in that I probably would be described as a romantic of some kind. So it's it's an, in one's approach to landscape and the people in that in that landscape. So that's kind of fascinating and sort of off the beaten path and yet sometimes in those places that are a little bit more elemental uh, one is less confused about what one sees you know it's a clearer picture just for example it's easier to to see the characters of a small town than pulling out those characters 
in a large city. For me, anyway. You describe that as cr- as creating or contributing to an oral tradition. What made you fall in love with oral tradition to begin with? I guess it's just a long, a long line of of that. Well, where would I begin? About the campfire, about the Savannah campfire, that's been around people gathering around a campfire at the end of the day for eighteen thousand years, have gathered around in a sense of telling what the day's adventure was or the day's fear uh, to create a sense of community that helps you get you through the night that might be terrifying or it might be lonely or whatever. So it started a long, long time ago and I'm just part of that continuum. That is at various points, either strengthened or threatened. And, I, you know, obviously these days it's it's... It's both strengthened and threatened by the various formats and platforms that are out there. And yet we continue to see young musicians embarking on similar journeys and contributing to the wonderful collection of music that both this country and, I guess, our language creates. (laughs) It's a terrible thing that we've done. (laughs) I don't know. I feel sort of responsible that that during my lifetime that that profession was so um, beckoning to this generation and it's and it's changed what it what it is out there is really hard and um, it remains to be seen how long this generation can live in the Econoline van and and have uh, eat Katie dinner and 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 dreams because it's certainly much more difficult it wasn't easy when I was doing it and I'm doing it but if there's so many young people with living on dreams right now I, my heart goes out to them how do we support them in that <laughs> appreciate that that music is a skill and people work at it and work at it hard it's not free the guitars aren't free the recordings aren't free none of it is free so please don't treat it as free it's not and, and in that sense, support them. Support the ones who are good and encourage the ones who are not so good to get out of it. <laughs> it's interesting. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way because, like, where I'm, I'm teaching at Carleton now, and I'm recommending to, to younger people to form collectives so that it's not just one individual going at the world. And, you know, a group like Broken Social Scene has done that. Arcade Fire did that. Uh, Bjork, Sigur Ross in Iceland. There's all kinds of cases where there's kind of a community around them. Um, uh, Laurie Anderson in New York did that with a whole bunch of people. And people have different strengths. There's a guy I know in Ottawa. I hope he never hears that. He's not a great songwriter, but he's a fearless organizer. So... I don't know. There's at some point someone's got to go. Can you organize? And I think that's. I mean that happens. You know, in your own community, you know the guy who's really good on Facebook, and you know the one who isn't, and the one who's got the talent, and the person who's on Facebook might not be the same person. You got to get everybody rowing in the same direction. Where it really becomes a community endeavor. I think so. I, I think that's one of the keys now, so that it's, everybody's not alone. I mean, that was what, that's as a singer-songwriter, one is inclined towards that. But I think you need a team of people now. 
Were there people that particularly championed you or helped you develop your skills at the start of your career? Yes, there were individuals that, that helped me. Sylvia Tyson was one. I, I had worked on my own stuff. I was uh, uh, worked at a garage, and I was a ski instructor in Chelsea, Quebec. But I was playing at the hootenannies and coffee houses whenever I could and writing eight or nine songs a week. And so I, I had a Sony tape recorder, and I took my tapes to Toronto, and I took them to CBC because I listened to CBC constantly. And she was walking down the hall and heard one of my songs and then performed it on her television show. And so that was like posting a bond that someone else was sought my, uh, with some cred, was, was, uh, was sponsoring uh, me in a sense. And so that was, that was a, uh, that encouraged other people to support me. You know, when we talk about organizations and promoting music, Folk Music Ontario is certainly a large one in this province. Are those organizations um, sufficiently fertile? Well, they are and they aren't uh, at times. And I, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. At times, I, I've been to like Folk Music Ontario, and I lament just the number of number of kids that are trying desperately to go and it's it's so so difficult to to um to do that and i saw sometimes i just go oh boy there's so many people out there so many people trying for that dream and where i guess as a community and as a professional community you're in the place of not wanting to reduce the number of people making music but also not wanting people to post hang their lives out on a dream well i did it and i was lucky to to get away with it and some of this generation will too but there's way more than than when i was growing up you know uh my my challenge was i sort of came along after kind of the folk boom i i played to a lot of coffee houses that were closing so i had to form a bar band and that's what i did for six or seven years while playing solo as well so it was a different different kind of scene and then i got into theater soundtrack so i did a whole bunch of things and that that's kind of what got me through but that's that's an individual case you know so i don't i know i wouldn't discourage anybody but um certainly there has to be a gleaning of of I think this is again I, I may be controversial of my remarks but I think in some sense that sense of cooperation that was part of this last generation that we uh, encouraged in our kids uh, let everybody into the pool <laughs> and whereas in my generation if you didn't cut it you found out pretty fast in one way or another you know but at the time the singer-songwriter was championed because it was a way for promoters to cash in on both the singer as a commodity and his or her publishing as a commodity and then the record as well so this was a model that Albert Grossman sort of founded with Bob Dylan and then that age of singer-songwriters emerged from that because you, you then broke the mold of a singer singing someone else's songs. Who has really impressed you so far at Summerfolk? 
Oh, I've enjoyed everybody. I, you know, that I've, I just heard this uh, guy on our stage. What's, what's his name? Jenny. Um, and he's really, he's really good. And uh, yesterday I played with Sarah Beattie, and she was really good too. Uh, there's a lot of people. I mean, I ha because I've been working, I haven't been able to to listen to it all. So, um, and usually between sets, I'm sort of thinking about the next set. So, I'd be not be the if I'm on stage with other people, I hear them, but not so much as a listener. It would be other venues that I'm, I'm, I'd be better equipped to, but there's lots of, of new people. There's like a whole new Sonic and a whole new... Uh, I just spent some time with Tim Burke from Hey Rosetta, and it was very instructional for me on just a whole new way of, of writing songs that every generation has that's different from my generation, different from the sort of... American songbook generation you know it, it changes the sonic of the times changes all the time and you sort of have to you have to acknowledge that Ian thank you so much for spending some time with us today my pleasure <laughs> 